0: Nine, Nine eight, eight, seven, six, six five, four, three, two,
1: two one. Uh, I think that is fair As to I say, say.
0: hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. It's a
2: really good question.
0: Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio in St. Louis is...
1: Joe Manis.
0: And joining us from his office in Washington, D.C., the first time we've ever t- interviewed somebody on this show from another place besides yes. Missouri.
1: We, we, we have had Senator M- M- McCaskill here, just to be
0: clear. But our guest today is...
2: Emmanuel Cleaver from Missouri, from the 5th yeah. District.
0: Thank you very much for for being on our show. It's an honor to talk with somebody of your stature. You have a street named after you in Kansas City. Um, and you've had a long tenure in municipal and, and, and federal politics, so we're we're thrilled to have you on the show today. Um, but before we get into you as a person, just tell us a little bit about your district and kind of the area it encompasses.
2: Well, usually uh, when people hear about my district in Missouri, they're confused because the uh, natural assumption of uh, an African-American in Congress is that he or she represents a uh, majority minority district? Um, I was mayor of Kansas City, which was at the time 24% African American. My congressional district is uh, about 23% African American, about 5% uh, Latino. Uh, it is Kansas City, Missouri, uh, the uh, metropolitan area uh, almost, it takes in uh, Independence, Missouri, and Raytown, and Grandview, some of the suburban areas, uh, and then it begins to move uh, toward the east, and this is a new part of my district that was once represented by uh, one of my closest friends, um, I uh, refer to him as my older brother, uh, Ike Skelton, Uh, that's uh, Saline and Lafayette counties, uh, the cities that people may be more familiar with than the name of the county would be Concordia or Marshall or Richmond or Higginsville Odessa Sweet Springs Excelsior Springs Slater which is uh, about 14 miles from Marshall uh, and uh, Richmond if uh, I think I mentioned it so I have a I have a, a very urban uh, district, and then a very, very, very rural district. And that's- I was going to say,
0: you, you actually are you represent uh, the place where Jim the Wonder Dog in Marshall, Missouri- That's was right.
2: Located. That's right. Uh, that I love Jim the Wonder Dog. Right.
0: I, I have to ask because, you know, your district during redistricting was, I, I don't want to say it was controversial, but it was probably certainly a situation where you got a lot of new territory that you didn't have before that was decidedly rural. I mean- after redistricting was over and you had to represent this area, what was kind of like your reaction to getting this pretty radically different district as far as, you know, rural, suburban, and urban?
2: Well, in many ways, I uh, I was very pleased. Uh, in some ways, I re- resented uh, the the uh, redistricting because uh, f- uh, from the outside, it looked like uh, a uh, – a plan to uh, place me in harm's way politically, uh, but I, you know what people probably didn't know is that I was born and raised in Texas. Uh, my both of my, my my paternal and my my maternal grandfathers were were farmers, uh, and so I grew up picking cotton, uh, helping uh, my grandpa chop uh, uh, in the cornfields. <clears throat> we had uh, uh, we didn't have them, but my grandparents had pigs, chickens, so we uh, were uh, living the, the life. I didn't even know that we were poor until I was about 12, somebody told me, uh, because we had uh, food all the time, and fresh food, and I, I can remember being stunned the first time I had margarine, and uh, um, I thought, what is this, who did this? because I grew up eating, uh, you know, pure butter that uh, I helped churn. So representing a rural area really in many ways was uh, a return home.
0: Yeah. So how did you end up getting involved both just in politics in general? I know you were a councilman for many years in Kansas City. You became the first African-American mayor and then you were elected to Congress in 2004. What kind of prompted you to get into politics in the first place?
2: Well, I, I uh, became involved in my college days in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference uh, at the time uh, that uh, Martin Luther King uh, was the president. Most people say Martin Luther King was the leader of the Civil Rights Movement, which is not accurate. He was the head of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and there were about five other organizations headed by other people that, uh, that formed the movement, and I became involved in... The organization headed by Dr. King, uh, Ralph Abernathy, Joe Lowry, C.K. Steele, Fred Shuttlesworth, and um, uh, eventually uh, was asked by Ralph Abernathy after Dr. King's death if I would start a chapter uh, in, of the SCLC in Kansas City, where I was moving. I was going to. I was starting to work at Bendix, or uh, what's known today as uh, as Honeywell, and so I. Um, Uh, did start the chapter, I eventually uh, resigned from Honeywell, went to seminary, got a Master's of Divinity, and I will never forget in 1977, we had a uh, horrible flood in Kansas City, Uh, 25 people drowned, uh, including one friend of mine, Harold Thornton, who was a Presbyterian minister, and most of the people drowned uh, right off the Country Club Plaza. Uh, which, for people in the St. Louis area, is, uh, is it's it's uh, maybe like the Westport area in St. Louis uh, or Georgetown in, in D.C. And uh, we had a, a, a creek that ran through the through the plaza that caused the flooding. And I can remember uh, sitting around with a group of my friends, and I was saying, "This is absolutely crazy." Everybody knows that the the waters come out of the out of Brush Creek every time it rains. It was just going to be a matter of time before people were killed. And I said, you know, somebody needs to to uh, uh, put a plan together and work on stopping this. And a, and a guy named uh, Bill Johnson, who I was talking with, said, well, you're somebody. And it shut me up. And um, I, I thought, well, okay. So I decided, well, at the next municipal election, I think I'll I'll run. I ran for the city council and uh, and won the seat, and um, uh, served on city council twelve years, and then ran for mayor. I never forgot my commitment uh, uh, that I made to that that small group of people, uh, you know, one one evening in my home, and so uh, I, I was eventually able to put together a, a major capital improvement plan, which included rebuilding. And beautifying uh, what's called Brush Creek, and for anybody who's been on the plaza, you can see it's a gorgeous waterway now. So that kind of got me started in in, uh, in politics, and um, after I uh, served in in in, uh, in in municipal government in Kansas City, I, I did a I had a three-year program on NPR in Kansas City, KCUR. And uh, and then I resigned when I uh, ran for uh, for the House of Representatives. So I've been here ten years now.
1: Now, as many of our listeners may not know, you're, you you are a pastor. And aside from the fact that you are, be perhaps because of that, you're often the best speaker at the Democratic events I've covered. Um, what from being a pastor, how has that contributed or ref, or affected your approach toward issues in Congress?
2: Well, first of all, I, I think as a, as a pastor, there are some things that I, I just absolutely can't do, and, uh, and uh, I think uh, it has helped me. For example, uh, m- many of the members w- will, you know, go to the, the, the club every night, the Democratic club. Uh, I will go down periodically uh, to have dinner but I'm not sure that it's helpful for me, and uh, what Methodist ministers and probably most ministers uh, would like to uh, present uh, as the as as who they are and what they stand for. So I I don't hang out, uh, and uh, you know I never said anything to any of the members about language. But I I'll get at least two or three times a day, sometimes more, uh, people saying, uh, uh, "Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have said that." You know, they will uh, use some very colorful language uh, in the political world, and is that
0: why you referred to that, that a bill once as a Satan flavored sandwich instead of something with profanity in it? By the way,
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, I I, I I referred to the the sequestration uh, bill uh, as a, a sugar coated Satan sandwich, uh, and uh, I you know it, it rolled off my tongue without, almost without me thinking. Uh, now there are some other ways to have said that, uh, but um, I, I, I made that statement, and I, I didn't, I didn't say the people were Satan who did the bill, or uh, and it, you know I never attacked uh, individuals, but uh, it, it was it was a bad bill, and that was the ugliest I could think of at the moment when when the reporter asked me a question.
1: Now a few years ago, during the height of the Tea Party movement, you made the national news when it appeared from a video that someone had spit on you, uh, did, did that reflect or alter your approach toward things over the next few years during the height of some of the combative activity in the House?
2: Well, it's, it caused me not to walk outside in between votes. Uh, you know, Capitol Hill, you can come on Capitol Hill and you can go everywhere uh, if you're a member. Uh, from the office building to the Library of Congress, over to the Capitol, to the Visitor Center, uh, over to the Senate side, which is uh, probably in in city blocks, which is probably three or four blocks away, all underground without going outside. And so I I, uh, made a decision I was going to go in in the tunnel. Uh, One of the things I, I think, you know, my my dad has said many times when he saw it on on TV and some of the, his friends, his buddies were watching, and he was, he he teared up, because he said he said had he been there, it would have turned out really ugly. So um, I I think um, uh, it would be uh, in, uh, disingenuous of me to say that I I was not angry, but I I I, um, I, I think that we can't afford to uh, to. Show ourselves. I, I will remember the next day. Michelle Bachman walked up to me. I, I will never forget it. I, uh, she walked up to me, coming from uh, the uh, the chamber where we had voted, and she just came up to me and said, "Look, I'm not supporting that kind of thing." She said, "I didn't like that." Now, you know, um, I think most people would 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 pro- probably not uh, attribute things like that to to uh, the controversial Miss Bachman. So. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, tried to uh, do things that that would cause the people here uh, to uh, work with me in a, in a manner that uh, they, you know, somebody they trust, somebody not trying to trying to, to uh, get headlines or or somebody who's going to do name calling, and it has worked for me. I mean, we, I was able to get in the Republican Congress uh, something done that. Uh, that nobody believed could be done, which was to get the Liberty Memorial in Kansas City uh, designated as the National World War I uh, Memorial and Museum um, because there is no World War I uh, uh, monument in Washington. There's a monument to every war except World War One, as strange as that may sound to your listeners. So uh, we, we do have the, the Liberty Memorial in Kansas City, which is... A very majestic, um, a, a, a cone rising out of the ground uh, on the hill across from Union Station, and so uh, I was able to get that uh, that bill uh, approved both in the House and Senate, and the President, of course, signed it. And I think one of the reasons I, uh, that we were able to, to get that done is, you know, working with people and not being nasty and 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 trying to. Uh, you know, understand people's uh, uh, positions uh, on things, even if I disagree extremely uh, strongly uh, with them. Uh, and so um, I, I think that um, it, it has been a, an experience for me and probably an experience for some others as well.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit to talk about Ferguson. And even though Ferguson is 200, 250 miles away from. Kansas City, I feel like you have a unique perspective on this because you were a longtime municipal official. You've been to Ferguson multiple times. times. And I I just want to ask very plainly, what have you thought of the last few months and how it's played out here? And from your experience leading a, a major city, what do you think could have been done differently on all levels of government that were done incorrectly in your view?
2: Well, uh, I started going to Ferguson about four years ago, when I made the decision that I was going to step down as pastor of the Th- St. James United Methodist Church, which I had uh, had, had led for 37 years. Uh, the church had grown significantly, and it was and uh, healthy. And so I went to the uh, Bishop uh, uh, Robert Schneizi, uh, whose office is in Columbia, and asked, uh, you know, if I could step down. Uh, he, t- he told me, no, why don't you just you know, go on a sabbatical, get, you know, get excited again and come back. And I said, no, I'm spending too much time away from the church and so forth. Anyway, uh, make a long story short, he eventually said, okay, uh, I want you to be a special assistant to work in, with troubled churches. So one of the churches I began to work with was a church in Ferguson, uh, St. John United Methodist Church, which is now... Uh, the Wellspring United Methodist Church, uh, which I, was, I helped get all of that changed over. And, and, and so I was uh, uh, recommended uh, the pastor, uh, uh, Reverend Willis Johnson, uh, who actually had grown up in our church, gone out and got his uh, doctorate uh, in theology. So um, I, I was going in and out, very, became very familiar with, uh, with Ferguson. And then when the tragedy hit, uh, I immediately went down uh, primarily to, to uh, see what was going on with our church and, and uh, to make sure that if there were problems there that I offered as much support as I could for Reverend Johnson. And I went down, um, and uh, when I saw what was going on, the first night I went down there um, was the night the MRAPs were rolling down the street. And uh, you know there, there's tear gas, and uh, it looked like uh, a, a, a movie, uh, you know, or looked more like Fallujah than Ferguson, uh, and so I thought this is uh, something that has gotten out of control, and I came to the conclusion uh, much earlier that Ferguson was a little community that the civil rights movement bypassed, and uh, they're good and decent people, but uh, they were, and to some degree, they still are living. Uh, decades uh, in the past, um, and uh, h- here's the pr- the problem. Um, in 2013, uh, there were 33,000 warrants issued in Ferguson, police warrants, and the population is 21,000. And Wrap yourself around that. 33,000 warrants in a town of 21,000. That means everybody in the town, at least statistically, uh, could have gotten uh, a warrant uh, s- uh, s- uh on them and 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 a few in for for the next few towns over uh, people in the next few towns over so um, and if you have a a police force uh where only a, a few of the 54 police officers actually live in ferguson it also suggests that it instead of a police force it's almost like an army uh, patrolling an occupied territory and that's how many of the people saw the, the police and so it was not uh, a, a very pleasant uh, community uh, and I, I thank uh, God and, 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 and a lot of good people black and white uh, who are trying desperately to turn Ferguson around.
0: Yeah. Do you think another issue, and I, and this might be a poignant one for you, was just the lack of minority representation in government? Because there was recently an election there where two African-Americans won. even, And now, even though the city is two-thirds African-American, it's the first time the council has had three African-Americans on it. Do you think that just from an institutional perception standpoint that maybe the the African-American population in Ferguson didn't feel like they had a foothold or a voice in city government
2: well they would they would say it outright i mean i i was down in ferguson uh, trying to register voters i was there the weekend before the election uh, uh, involved in a uh, political boot camp that we ran out of the uh wellspring united methodist church uh, trying to make sure that we got the the number of voters uh, up from the previous election and uh, if you start talking with people in, in Ferguson, they will say, uh, this doesn't matter, or they're going to cheat, uh, cheat us on the election. Or they would say, uh, you know, if I go to vote, uh, they already have my, my name and a computer for uh, some kind of traffic uh, stop. Uh, but if I go and, and vote, then I'm going to be put on a jury and they'll, they'll know where I live and where I work. I mean, the, the, the many in the black population in Ferguson uh, were simply paranoid. And, and the, the, the one thing that I hope people really understand is that the people in Ferguson, African-Americans in particular, uh, believed that, the, that that was not their government. So it was going to be uh, infinitely more difficult to uh, convince people to run for public office it, uh, f- for a political body that they did not see as not only uh, representative of them, but that they saw it as alien or antithetical to the things they, they wanted. So it, it, it was not a, a uh, small undertaking to get people registered to vote or uh, to come out to vote. And we, frank, frankly, uh, we were successful. I left town uh, Sunday night before the Tuesday election Uh, just uh, almost praying uh, that we had a reasonable turnout because I I, I feared if we did not, that that it would be uh, another decade before we could get the people in Ferguson to the point where they thought, yes, we can. Yes, we can make a change. And uh, now I think they believe it when half the city council is uh, is black.
1: Yes. um, I covered that election and the uh, turnout in Ferguson, just for, for our listeners, was well over twice what it was in other parts of the county. So from that standpoint, you did um, make a difference. Uh, my question is, though, the election and the aftermath and, and everything, are there any broader lessons beyond Ferguson that you think either other members of Congress or um, other officials in Missouri could take, uh, should heed?
2: Yes, that there are a number of, of, of uh, messages. First of all, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was born and raised just outside of downtown Dallas, Texas. And when I grew up, um, with my mother, father, and three sisters and I would, 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 uh, would ride in that Oldsmobile 88, um, and we'd go through a little town called Sagnaw, uh, Sagnaw, Texas, just outside of Dallas. And um, my mother would always tell my father, "Honey, slow down, slow down." And my father would would be driving, you know, 20 miles per hour, and he he'd slow down to five because Sagnaw had a reputation for traffic tickets, uh, giving traffic tickets. Uh, that's how they uh, maintained their municipal operation. So um, whenever you have uh, that kind of contact between the police and the public, uh, you, you, you cannot expect a lot of good things to happen. And, uh, other cities there, I mean, almost every state in the union, uh, will, uh people can tell you about a, 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 little town, uh, where, where the, the, there's an industry, uh, called, uh, taxation by citation. And uh, we have that in Ferguson, and a lot of cities now can can, can just uh, thank their lucky stars that they haven't had conflicts uh, similarly. But the, the problem is that they may not have had that large a, a, a minority population. So the other thing is that it has taught us that um, the military equipment that we've been giving uh, uh, here in Washington from homeland, to, from uh, Homeland Security, the, the uh, Department of Defense, and the Justice Department going to uh, towns and police organizations all over the state, uh, that the, the, the thought that you could intimidate the public by rolling this heavy-duty military equipment down the main street of a, an American city uh, is just not going to work. It's not going to happen. I mean, most people uh, rebel and, and recoil against that. Black, white, uh, poor... It doesn't matter. The reaction to what people saw on television uh, w- w- was, I-, I liken to what, what people saw uh, when, when uh, John Lewis, uh, Martin Luther King, and others uh, marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Uh, and that is the, when, when, when uh, the people turned on Huntley Brinkley uh, uh, News uh, Wal- or Walter Cronkite and saw uh, Bull Connor and his men beating civil rights marchers, uh, uh, peaceful marchers. Uh, The the nation recoiled, the nation was just uh, angry. And that helped create the atmosphere for the uh, passage of the Voting Rights Act. And I think when the American public turned on their television sets in their homes and saw uh, this this heavy duty military equipment rolling down the streets of an American city, they they came to the conclusion quickly. This is just not what we should tolerate in this country. And so, and, yeah. and, oh. so I think so that I people got that message.
0: So I wanted to, to you you actually transitioned really nicely into our next topic that you've actually proposed legislation that aims at curtailing some of those towns you just talked about. Um I, I from what I've read before, it would make it a civil rights violation to um, basically, go after somebody criminally or civilly in a traffic offense solely for revenue. Uh, is is that an accurate description of, of what you were trying to do there, and what what are you hoping to accomplish by it?
2: Yes, that that is uh, an accurate description. It is a civil rights violation when people are are unconstitutionally uh, stopped uh, for the purpose of raising revenue. Uh, it's it's policing for profits that. Uh, I think is, is uh, unconstitutional in this country and uh, the bill will d- deny communities that are found guilty of, uh, of, of policing for profit where, and we can tell so if they, if they earn more than 30% of their municipal budget from traffic tickets uh, it will catch the, t- the attention of the United States Justice Department. If they are found to be uh, violating this law they can lose their burn grant. Now, uh, for most people that doesn't mean much, but almost every law enforcement office uh, uh, in, the, in the United States receives money from the Justice Department through what is called a burn grant. Some kind of uh, policing operation is funded in almost every community through the burn grant. So municipalities will risk losing that, those dollars uh, if they should uh, make the decision as Ferguson made, it, it was their, their decision uh, had a great deal of intentionality, and all you had to do is read the report from the Justice Department where they had emails uh, actually saying, good job to the police chief from the city manager. You, you raised $2.5 million, and, uh, and, and that's a new record.
0: But one of the things I wanted to ask is, there has been, on a state level, kind of efforts to restrict the amount of revenue that can get from traffic tickets. And and in, in one of the, the things that I've noticed is some of the biggest opponents to this are some African-American legislators and mayors. I'm going to play you a clip from Clem Smith, who is a state representative from Belda Village Hills, which is in St. Louis County, um, when he's responding to efforts to curtail the amount of revenue cities can, can get from traffic tickets.
2: Talking with the cities that I represent, there wasn't a lot of discussion about, hey, what would be a good percentage? How can we do this? Um, and from that, then there's pushback from my area, and I've got concern with that too.
0: Basically, what he's saying is a lot of the mayors that are predominantly of predominantly African-American towns, and many of these mayors are African-American themselves, feel that efforts like this are going to basically wipe these communities out of existence. Have you kind of heard that those, I know that maybe that that's not a response to your bill in particular, but it is a response to efforts to kind of crack down on some of these cities have you kind of heard these argumentations and if so like what's your response to them
2: yes I have heard those those responses the Missouri General Assembly is considering such legislation uh, that would knock it down to 10 percent and and uh, in in uh, speaking to members of the General Assembly uh, I've been told that it is going to be approved and the governor is going to sign it uh I used to be the president of the National Conference of Black Mayors, and, and uh, most of the black mayors, uh, 420 at the time when I was president, are from small towns like those around St. Louis, and, and those, the, the mayors in those uh, uh, small towns were part of the organization when I uh, led, the, led it uh, back in the 1990s. Uh, and I understand what they're saying. Here's the problem. Uh, look, you're asking for, for trouble when you do this. When you when you're stopping people to to raise money, and one of the things that may uh, that that I, I suggest to 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 mayors who are saying no we got to keep giving these traffic tickets, is this look um, if you can't function uh, without giving traffic tickets, maybe it's time now for you to enter into some kind of uh, relationship with a county police force, uh, where uh, for example. If Ferguson uh, can't function, uh, then they need to uh, pay a certain amount of tax dollars uh, that that would allow uh, the the St. Louis County Police uh, to take over the operation of Ferguson. And uh, look, the Libertarians are jumping on this. As soon as I introduced this this bill, Rand Paul called me and said, hey, I want to uh, introduce the same bill over on the Senate side. Uh, and uh, I'm meeting with uh, Speaker Boehner next week, uh, you know, to go over the bills, uh, and uh, it's my hope that in the next couple of weeks, uh, it'll be on the floor of the, of the House, and if it gets over to the Senate, uh, I, I'm pretty much assured that it's going to pass there. Yeah, and so the mayor's and, yeah,
0: yeah, I was going to say Rand Paul and Emanuel Cleaver are two political figures you probably didn't expect to work together on something. But you're, you're right. The libertarians are very big on this type of thing and some conservative Republicans as well. So
2: Yeah, the Koch, the Koch brothers, for example, are supporting it. And the Heritage Foundation, uh, super conservative. Now, I'm, I, I, I don't use the word progressive. I'm a liberal because uh, I don't allow, allow people to define that word f- for me. Uh, so we're, we're working together, and so the mayors had better take a look at the, the the people who are coming together on this. This is not, you know, some kind of right wing plot uh, to damage uh, small cities. Uh, this is the wave of the future, and 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 I, I think what what we've got to preach here in Washington is uh, that that. Small towns are going to have to figure out ways in which they can work together, form consortiums and, and work together to save money. Efficiency is going to be the new order of the day. And that's just the way it is. It's, it's the, the day is over when you, when you uh, can, can police for, profits, uh, for profit and, uh, you know, Ferguson, I, I think is taking the right step. And just think about this. Per- Ferguson is not much larger than Capitol Hill which means that you could almost have half of your police force uh, involved in community policing, which means they ride around in, on bicycles uh, and, uh, and walk. And when you do that, you get a chance to know people. You don't even need a larger police uh, uh, department. And you see a guy walking in the street. You, you, you've been in this community for years. You said, Michael, get out of the street. Come on, you know you, know you shouldn't be in the middle of the street. I mean that's that's what we that's the kind of policing we we're going to have to have in the future.
1: So, are you advocating that um, Ferguson get rid of its police force and go with St. Louis County, or just change how and, and its I police have, force I operates? I do just need
0: to add for context: none of the city council members, including some of them that won, support that. So, you know, is that going to be a challenge to actually have that happen?
2: Uh, no, no. Uh, and I I know um, uh, two of the new. Uh, City Council. Uh, I know two of the council members. Uh, Councilman uh, James is, was there uh, previously. But I, uh, um, I look. It, it, this is just the way it's going to be, and, and we've got to make make adjustments. They're going to have to make adjustments. I understand that, that it's difficult. But but if if you think about this, how awful it is that we would be having a debate in 2015 about whether or not we can try to run a municipal government on the basis of how many traffic tickets we can give. That's just, it's just not right. It's not right. And I, I think we're gonna have uh, some changes, some dramatic changes. And when you look at the the people who are, who are pushing it, they're from all walks of life. And if you're not in municipal government, you're probably gonna be pretty much on my side.
0: Yeah, most likely. So we only have a few minutes left. I just wanted to go into politics a little bit. Um, Hillary Clinton announced for president uh, a couple of weeks ago you were a prominent supporter of her 2008 run. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say in 2016, are you getting back on the Hillary Clinton presidential bandwagon?
2: Yeah, you went way out on a limb. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I I, I will, uh, in all likelihood, uh, be um, uh, involved uh, heavily in the, in the uh, uh, Clinton campaign um, I the uh, uh, campaign manager um, mr. moot uh, called me uh, earlier this week to uh, just say the secretary asked me to uh, to reach out to you and and uh, tell you that she's uh, going to uh, catch up with you uh, she wants you t- to be deeply involved in the campaign and I intend to, to do that Um you know when you think that uh we we had a capable and qualified woman who ran india 3 decades ago uh uh we've had uh margaret thatcher in uh, in england i i think we we we've, we've got to start uh, thinking about uh making the presidency available to anyone who has the the, the leadership skills and and the capacity and hillary clinton does so uh, I'm I'm going to support her very strongly. I think that uh, she uh, is going to be a, a strong a stronger candidate uh, because she lost uh, uh, six years ago to uh, Barack Obama, and and I think if you look at our campaign, she, that's what she, she's doing the things now that she failed to do six years ago.
1: Now you were very active, very very prominent in her husband's uh, campaigns for president back in the '90s, and of course at that point. Uh, Missouri was a battleground state. Uh, Bill Clinton actually was the last Democrat to carry Missouri. Do you think there, that, that she has a chance of carrying Missouri in 2016? Or I've had some officials on both sides tell me that they don't see Missouri as a battleground state and that it will likely end up as a Republican, that, that the Republicans will carry it regardless of who the nominee is. I'm interested in your take on that.
2: Well, if you look at all of the polls, uh, the state of Missouri is 50-50, which is why it's been considered a bellwether state. It's 50-50; it can go any way. All you have to do is look at the state offices. You got a Democratic governor. You got a Democratic Secretary of State. You know, on down the line, uh, Treasurer, and uh, and so uh, you know, the the state is not a hard red or a hard blue state, and I think that. President Clinton had the uh, has had a, an appeal uh, to the people in, in, in rural uh, Missouri, and I think uh, Secretary Clinton will have that same appeal. And that is, they're not going to come across as some blazing liberal. Uh, they, uh, in, in fact, Secretary Clinton is a is a little more hawkish than am I uh, on on military uh, issues. Uh, but uh, you know, you, there's you're not going to find a perfect candidate. I think that, uh, and I I said this to the campaign manager uh, in the phone call earlier, I think we have a chance to take Missouri uh, because uh, I think that both Hillary Clinton and her husband, uh, who won it previously, uh, are people who are not seen uh, as Barack Obama uh, is seen in Missouri. Uh, There are portions of my congressional district that uh, the president's approval rating uh, was down in the 20s. So, I, you know, I don't think you can find uh, that kind of number on Hillary Clinton. This is, this is going to be a, a, a battle for Missouri, and I think the Hillary Clinton will win it.
0: It'll be an interesting thing to watch because that's the sort of thing that can bleed over into other races as well. But, uh, Congressman, we were just delighted that we were able to have you on, your, on our show from D.C. Thank you so much. Um, to, to close us out, uh, you can find all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can follow Joe at Twitter at
1: J Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And,
0: Congressman, are you on Twitter as well? I believe it's Rep Cleaver, if I'm not mistaken. Rep, Is yes. that right? Yes. Uh, Rep,
2: Cle- Rep Cleaver.
0: Thank you very much again, and we'll be back next week. And until then, so long.
1: So long.